Welcome to the Lighthouse Writers Workshop Podcast, because sometimes what a writer needs most is other writers. On Friday, July 3rd, 2020, Lighthouse Program Director Andrea Dupree welcomed the writers Elisa Gabbard, Peter Parnell, Khadija Queen, and Erica T. Worth to the LitFest Salon panel discussion, The Intellectual Creative slash Creative Intellectual. Elisa Gabbard, a poet and essayist, is the author of The Word Pretty, a New York Times editor's pick, Luere Blue, or The Judy Poems, The Self Unstable, chosen by The New Yorker as one of the best books of 2013 and named one of the top 100 must-read works of genre-bending nonfiction by Book Riot, and The French Exit. Her writing has appeared in The New Yorker, The New York Times Magazine, The New York Review of Books, The Guardian, A Public Space, The Paris Review Daily, and many other venues. Her latest book, The Unreality of Memory and Other Essays, was published by FSG in August. Peter Parnell's most recent play, Dada Woof Papa Hot, was produced by the Lincoln Center Theatre Company. His plays include Trumpery, QED, starring Alan Alda, a two-part stage adaptation of John Irving's The Cider House Rules, Sorrows of Stephen, The Rise and Rise of Daniel Rocket, Romance Language, Hide in Hollywood, Flaubert's Latest, and An Imaginary Life. For television, Mr. Parnell was a writer and co-producer for The West Wing, and for The Guardian, Inconceivable, Six Degrees, The Lottery, Brain Dead, and The Last Tycoon, and wrote for When We Rise. His children's book, Entango Makes Three, co-authored with Justin Richardson, was an American Library Association notable book and a Henry Berg Award winner. Parnell served as vice president of the Dramatist Guild from 2009 to 2015. Khadija Queen holds a PhD in English from the University of Denver. She is the author of six books, most recently Anodyne, published in August by Tin House. She is an assistant professor of creative writing at the University of Colorado Boulder and serves as core faculty for the Mile High MFA program at Regis University. Erica T. Ward's publications include two novels, Crazy Horse's Girlfriend and You Who Enter Here, two collections of poetry and a collection of short stories, Buckskin Cocaine. A writer of fiction, nonfiction, and poetry, she teaches creative writing at Western Illinois University and has been a guest writer at the Institute of American Indian Arts. Her work has appeared or is forthcoming in numerous journals including BuzzFeed, Boulevard, LitHub, The Writer's Chronicle, Bitch, Waxwing, and The Canyon Review. She will be faculty at Breadloaf in 2021, is a Canyon Review Writer's Workshop Scholar, attended the Tin House Summer Workshop, and has been chosen as a narrative artist for the Mount Wolf Denver installation. She is Apache, Chickasaw, Cherokee, and was raised outside of Denver, where she lives with her partner, her two stepchildren, and her extremely fluffy dogs. Thank you very much. Um, I'm really happy to talk about uh, being an intellectual because I've never done that before and I really, really wanted to do that with these particular people. Um, I just finished my PhD, uh, but I've always like been really interested in how thought works. And when you're a poet, it's almost like, I don't know, people think a certain way about poets. Like you can't be also an intellectual and a poet. Um, or um, if you're a teacher, then then you're just a teacher. Or if you're a mom, you're just a mom or whatever. So I just don't like the just surrounding the things that we do. And I wanted to talk about how to make multiple kinds of things. So I, I, I'm gonna flip over to my questions. So um, 
formally, when I proposed this panel, I had the idea to normalize the practice of working in more than one genre. So instead of seeing multiplicity as spreading oneself thin, um, I think that working in different genres enriches the work that I do in others. So my question to everyone else is, do you find that as well? Have you come up against similar kinds of, you know, stop signs? Oh, you can't write this because you write that or, or whatever. And, and do you find that um, working in other genres enriches your other work? Peter, you're unmuted. I'm gonna call on you. Oh, I'm unmuted. Am I doing oh. something wrong? Or nope, I'm you're okay. doing great. Okay. Sorry, for somebody who works occasionally in TV, I don't actually technically know what I'm doing, so. Um, technologically, uh, you know, I, I, um, I started uh, out as a uh, playwright. I, I started writing plays uh, right after college, during college and right after college. And at the time that I was starting to get produced because I grew up in New York and I went to plays in New York and it was sort of my my dream to sort of find a community there. Uh, happens to also be a great theater place. But um, when I started to, to do it, it, it was at a time when sort of being a playwright, if you were, if you did that and you were getting produced, you could, you would work in film, maybe you would re, you know, if you could get a job, you could write a movie or re help on a rewrite of a movie. TV was sort of looked down upon. And that changed um, a number of years after I was starting to get produced. And I, and I began writing for TV late. And I, I did it really because I was invited to be on a show. And I was invited to be on a show by a colleague Aaron Sorkin, who was a playwright, who had also started to work in film and then in TV. And Aaron was one of these writers who, I think maybe David Kelly had been the first, but there were very few, who were very much uh, creating and then being the central creative force behind the series that they were creating. But in the time, and that's a while ago now, that I worked on that show, if you today talk to playwrights who are being produced. Uh, if you're beginning to be produced even, um, television is a, is a place that you want to work. And I, I've started teaching playwrights about working in TV a number of years ago. And now that's a matter of course in a lot of college, colleges, universities. Um, uh, and it's really good because if you really want to write plays, you want to write them, not because they're going to necessarily make a, a lot of money or hopefully they will get produced and that's what your aim is. So TV is not only a place now where there is a lot of great stuff happening, but it's also a way to make a living. So um, uh, it's, I encourage it very much with uh, as a form, if it's, if it's a form that you feel you can function well in. Um, and that involves a lot of other things that not, or some other things that are not necessarily true in the theater, like, and probably as a poet or a writer, which is you are your own boss in a way, and in TV you're not. So you learn that pretty quickly that you leave your ego by the door. But I've, I find it very invigorating and um, uh, you know, uh, stimulating to be able to move around. And I've, it's, those have been the only two 
areas though. I've never worked in fiction or um, in, in poetry. So, um, uh, and, and my adventure in children's book writing, which was probably with the exception of the TV work, been read by more people than have seen my plays came about in a whole other way, but is it is a, a story about how you, you can try a form and if you're excited enough about it, you sort of can learn on the job, which is really the way I worked in TV too. So anyway, long way of saying, I, I, I think it's great to be able to work in a in, uh, number of media. You know, I wouldn't mind um, going second. Paul, I think you need to unmute your video if you can see or hear us. I don't know if you can. Um, you know, I, I, I like, I think I like writing. Um, I like the challenge of writing in new forms. And, you know, I'm going to say something that does kind of sound snotty and, um, you know, PhD ish and bear in mind that, you know, I'm reading a book about a giant talking benevolent ice Arctic bear. So it's not like I'm trying to be a snob. Um, <laughs> I'm really enjoying it, but I think a lot of it has to do with, the difference between form and genre. And I think also the ideas that people bring to those things. Like people always talk about literary as a genre um, or as a, as a form. And I think it's, I think, I'm not, how, how do I put this? People always talk about literary as a somehow it's just like distinct genre. That's what I'm trying to say. And it's really not, it's something that you could write crime literary or realism literary or you could write poetry that's literary, or you could write a limerick. And I think it's the same in TV, and I think it's the same in film. And I think it has to do in some ways with snottiness, right? So it used to be that TV was less than, and film was an elevated art, similarly with poetry and the novel. And I think that kind of works. And I think people bring their ideas according to where they come from, from it. Because, you know, if you get a PhD in literature, you're convinced that anything commercial must not have anything literary you know, there's no literary merit to it whatsoever. And then everything is, you know, that looks really experimental must be automatically brilliant and literary. And I think it has nothing to do with that. And I think for me, I've moved from poetry and I've always written fiction um, and I'm trying to experiment with um, screenplay writing as well. And I like the challenge of new forms. And I do think that people, um, can't imagine that you could move from one form to the other competently. But, and sometimes you discover you don't. You sometimes discover, wow, I'm really no good at this. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm discovering that in children's um, for sure. But um, I think sometimes you can discover you're even better at that thing than you were at the thing you, you thought was everything that you were before. And that's what I like about it. And I also like that, you know what, if I'm writing an essay that's sort of nonfiction-y or journalistically for you know, BuzzFeed, and then I go back to my novel, um, I feel kind of like I'm getting a break from those forms. And I like that, you know, I like that feeling like, because I love what I do, but sometimes it is just work and then you get a break. You get to go to your other work. So as a break for fun. <laughs> I feel similarly, Erica, that when you're working in one genre a lot, you want to, you find that you want to switch back to your other genre, your other form, because it feels like a break and you're using a different part of your brain. Um, I think it's not, I mean, yes, I would say, as you put it, Khadija, that they enrich each other, but it's also that I can, I feel like there are things I can do in one form that I can't do in the other and vice versa. So um, for example, after I wrote, 
this book of essays that's coming out next month. It was very heavily researched and I felt a lot of kind of moral responsibility to um, be as accurate and truthful as possible and to hold myself to this kind of high level of almost journalistic ethics. I'm, I'm not a journalist, but <laughs> um, because I was writing about history and current events in a way that's kind of trying to bring attention to the sort of disastrous state that I see the world to be in. I tried to hold myself to like as much of a journalistic standard as I could. Um, and that was really exhausting. So especially like the pieces that were published um, in outlets that have strict fact checking, like some, it was shocking to me sometimes the things that would be fact checked, like things that I wouldn't even consider to be a fact. Um, so after that, I was just kind of like, wow, I really want to write, write something that's not going to be fact-checked, <laughs> like a poem. <laughs> and I felt like in poetry, I could, you know, really kind of say a lot of the same things that I wanted to say, but just have complete freedom to not be speaking the truth. You know what I mean? Like to say something that maybe I don't even really believe but like, I believe it in the poem. Um, it's like an assertion that doesn't have to be true or not. It's, it's more like a conjecture um, that you can kind of play with when you're reading the poem. And I found that really freeing. Um, but yeah, I, I've also found that if I'm writing mostly poems, I can kind of like squeeze that sponge dry and just feel like I don't have any more poetry to give for a while. Um, Robert Haas has said that like you can will prose but you can't will poetry and I, I feel that to be true for myself like I have to wait until the poems come um, but I can like force myself to write an essay so um, yeah I, I do think that um, I kind of choose which direction I want to go in um, poetry or prose depending on like the way that I want to express whatever thoughts or feelings I, I have decided that I want to express. It sounds like, um, okay, why are my notes floating away? It sounds like doing more than one thing like breaks boundaries, like going back to what Peter said about sort of changing the, the idea of what TV can be by moving from one genre into another, bringing that literariness into TV and making actually TV better and more prestigious uh, by extension. And then for essays, I think being a poet and writing essays, um, Sometimes I don't want to like trash journalism or anything at all. I'm, I'm not a journalist, um, but it is like the fact checking thing. Raw. So <laughs> when you're a poet, you kind of need elasticity in your language. And so having these like fact things in the middle of that elasticity is sometimes difficult to wrangle. Um, but I think it's more interesting to me personally uh, when I read essays by poets because we just do things with language that, um, you know, know, we just stretch it out a little bit. We we make it sound better. (laughs) I agree. I feel like there's kind of an idea of the poet's novel and maybe there's starting to be an idea of the poet's essay. I, I, I hear people say all the time, like, I love books of essays by poets. Um, so I, I hope that becomes more and more of a thing. I do too, but I do um, really respect and appreciate what you said about accuracy, because that is important, not only in journalism, but also in scholarship, like making sure you cite people who've said things that you're saying, you know, not just like co-opting people's stuff 
and I'm really trying not to swear. I'm like, it's like really hard, it's like right underneath my voice, like the swears. I can't help it. Um, but I'm doing you know, I like good. that though. I like that you guys are saying the essay instead of nonfiction, because to me, nonfiction is way too rubbery. It's a form. The mm. story is a form, whether it's 100% true or it's about planet Zarbogonon. You know, that's a form. And I've, I have read uh, nonfiction essays that do kind of, I'm like, hmm, what is the difference between this and a short story? Because it used so many of the same tactics. But I guess the idea is that if the story is driving through character and the poem is driving through language, the essay is still driving through concept. It's just that, again, it's a genre. It's like, is it a nonfiction essay that's sort of lyrical? Is it a journalistic piece? And that is where I find that stuff really tricky because there's something it's probably, probably, it's probably why I stopped writing poetry because the current um, trend is to sort of bloodlet and um, super personal nonfiction is similar. And I just, I squirm because even though we know journalism is probably, uh, you know, there's, there, there are a thousand untruths folded into it and you know it's still creative at a certain point. There's something about having to really expose the personal that feels even more untruthful and uncomfortable for me. I don't know why. Mm. Um, but I find that to be really uh, just nonfiction's weird. It's a weird, I'm not sure it's a, like I said, it seems like it's a more of a form than genre, but. Mm. <laughs> Peter, do you find that in um, world building in like children's books and in TV and playwriting, do you find that you're drawing from all of them or do you find that it's a completely different kind of approach to the writing? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think I'm drawing, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm drawing from all of them. I think it is a different approach, but I think part of that just has to do with, um, you know, if it's what, what's, what is it being led by? I mean, if, if, um, in the case of, uh, and Tango Makes Three, and the one other uh, picture book that my husband and I wrote together, which we did with Entango Makes Three and with um, Christian the Hugging Lion. Um, you know, we both grew up loving picture books, and we know that sculpting the words down to a minimum, which is maybe not the way you write a play, or maybe you don't worry about language that way, that, 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 that the illustrations we're going to take, which we weren't doing, but working with the illustrator, we were lucky enough to do, um, that those illustrations were gonna, you know, t tell a lot of the story emotionally. And so uh, that's very different from if a character is leading uh, a, uh, a, 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 say a plot or a story or a character is in a world I'm interested in, but I don't necessarily know exactly what the play is about. And it's sort of backwards for me, but if I'm really attracted to, to that, I can really spend a long time um, trying to figure out why there's a play there. Um, Again, with in TV, it's much more about a long form. You know, it's it's whether it's a group, usually a group of characters, but what is happening over the course of a season, or what would then happen in the following season, even if it's going to change. You, you know, you have a, a it's a different kind of storytelling. So, in a way, those things are if whatever comes first, the idea or the the form, if it's a children's book or that helps me lead towards those if you want to call them rules basic 
things that I've craft that I have somehow picked up over the years. Um, and, and probably there's, I know in plays that, but I think in everything there's that intuition. I assume that there is in poetry, although I would love to hear more about it because I don't, I, I, I don't write it and wonder what is the craft versus what's the intuition? Because in a play, you need both to be operating, but you don't know what's leading what at various points because you need the craft underneath, but you're intuitively saying, I think I'm gonna get somewhere, I think I'm gonna get somewhere, I'm going down the tunnel or you know, along with the flashlight, but I don't know where I'm going and I may not get there. You know, that's, there are more that, I, things I've tried that haven't <laughs> haven't made it all the way to to finishing. But anyway, I would say that's uh, yeah yeah. Well, Khadija, you're moving from poetry to prose yourself, and you're I know you're like whoa wait okay oh my god and so and I can understand that because poetry is simultaneously it's not rigid in form anymore but it has, you want F form and it's kind of still very intense. And so prose can sometimes feel like you're building a house and you don't know, like, wow, I don't, where do pipes go in here? I don't even know. <laughs> so, um, and you're handling so much. So I don't know, I, I'm kind of turning it on you, but like how, how have you been doing with that? As somebody who's like poetry that's nonfiction and has, you know, it's sort of longer, but now you're like, oh, now it's, a prose book it's you know it's a novel or a memoir yeah 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 writing the memoir and also um the dissertation which was prose critical prose and travel essays um that was that did something to my brain I, i'm not even quite sure that i've recovered from that <laughs> but i feel like um because i am definitely ruled by intuition and poetry and just like listening to what comes to me when i have a feeling um and I definitely found that I could just force myself to write something. And once I started writing, if it was prose, um, I could do that. And even if the language wasn't like up to my standards poetically, I could just fix that later. Although a lot of times, like it really was, it, it, it kind of was, if, at least in the beginning, right? So as a result, a lot of my pieces are on the shorter side. But then once you get into these longer critical pieces, then they become too long. So just like trying to wrangle these freaking things into something that somebody cares to read that is also accurate and interesting throughout. And like like you said, building a house and the pipes and all that other stuff. It just feels like um, kind of a big mess. And then you have to clean it up it's like sculpture or something. Lisa, have you found something similar? I do find that um, I think about structure so much more when I'm writing prose um, than when I'm writing poetry. I mean, there, obviously there's structure to a poem, but somehow I'm not thinking of it in those terms because I guess because it's smaller and I just feel like I can see it all at once. Um, but with a prose piece, especially if it's like four or 5,000 words or more, um, I really like to kind of have my structure in mind before I even start. So I'll spend a lot of time taking notes, doing research, and just thinking about it. And once I get to the point, and usually it's like weeks, maybe months into when I've started thinking about like, I'm working on this essay, 
um, I'll find that I'm like just starting to write the paragraphs in my head. Like, um, like I, I see the sentence that I want to start with and then I want to, I see the move and the turn that I want to go to next. And like, that's going to be the first, like, I think of it kind of like in, as movements rather than sections, although, you know, the way it actually plays out as a section, but I think like on well, the first movement, this is what I want to do. And then in the second movement, I want to do this. Um, and so I'm, I'm seeing that full shape. Like I don't write music, but if I did, I feel like it would, that must be somewhat what it's like when you're kind of like composing music. Um, and I try not to actually start kind of writing in earnest until I, I'm seeing that shape in my head, because then for me, it's, it's so much easier to like write a really strong draft versus just like starting and seeing where it goes. <laughs> um, yeah, I like I I think of it kind of like prevision instead of revision. Like I try to like do most of the work beforehand. Um, yeah, and that's that's just not how I approach a poem, a poem at all. It's like a totally different process. Yeah, it's totally different. When I was I just finished another pass at the memoir, and I had gone through all these iterations in terms of order, but I went right back to the original outline that I made and put it in that order and that's what made it work. Oh, huh. it's, it's interesting because I think with me, with a play, um, there is, I, I have I, I, some sense, I, I try the, the, the solving of a puzzle, it's almost like trying to solve a puzzle, a structure that is a form that I think I can jump into and it may take a, a while or if it's re involving research, it doesn't come till after because uh, sometimes I write plays that are about historical events or characters. But once I am at that place, the first draft is the is that's the most playful time for me because I really it, it's it is sort of happening in front of me and it is only after and then there may be many drafts later, but it's only after the first draft that I'm able to also say, oh, Oh, that's what this is really about because it's, you know, in a play, most of the time it's a metaphor for something and you don't, you don't have to consciously know what it is, but at some point in the rewriting, that's about the fact that yes, you do know what it is and you have to subtly get your audience, you know, there. Um, so I always look forward to um, the, the, uh, the energy of a first draft. It, it's a little bit like an athletic event too, because I try to, I'm in the process right now of it and I get up, you know, I sort of go to try to go to the desk at the same time every morning and try to keep myself um, just a certain amount of control throughout the day, which isn't easy, but just knowing that I'm wanting, you know, I'll get there for a certain amount, of, not a huge amount of time necessarily. And some days I don't at all. So then the rhythm gets broken. I have to sort of get my way back, but, um, but that's the most playful time for me. So. You know, it's interesting. I'm a newbie. So please correct me. And this is going to kind of wrap into, I think a question somebody had. Um, but I guess what I like, and this is kind of perverse of me to say, but I like about um, the screenplay form is that it's rigid and there's, it's not like, like, unless you're talking about really avant stuff, right? Which is cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But I kind of like the rigidity of this form because, you know, you have to be because you're not in the end, the only writer, you're just not. And so you have to be able to, and you're not just the only writer, you're, you're talking to directors and actors. And I, I find that kind of fascinating. Like probably some people really like writing a sonnet. They say that rigidity finds that makes them feel very free. 
And there's something to that. And maybe it's just that I like the challenge of a new form. As far as um, the form versus genre, like you can write an, to me, a form is the essay. Nonfiction, um, I mean, is that a genre? I'm not even sure. But it, it, it's defined as a genre, right? People say, well, nonfiction is a genre. How can that possibly be? You could write nonfiction poetry. You could write nonfiction. Um, you could write a, a short story that's completely in the form of a story. So I'm more interested in separating those things out. And maybe that is the scholar in me and saying, you know, here are these different forms. There's the poem. It's a form. You know, it's pretty clear when something's a poem, although obviously there are great territories all over the place and they're wonderful. But um, and saying something is true or not true doesn't really define genre or, or form, actually. And I think, and again, literary is a series, people always like in the, you know, in the snotty creative world are like, oh, literary is, is experimental. But what is experimental? Is it, it what's defined as a, a, a set of aesthetics that show me what experimental is? And all people can say is it's non-narrative. And that's not a definition. Mm-hmm. I think that... Um, you know, um, it's a series of conventions, like, or maybe not conventions, but, but criteria, you know, your depth of theme, attention to language, attention to form, whatever that form is. It's uh, attention to language, attention to structure, and um, complex characterization if you're in fiction or, or, you know, of any kind. And I think that, that that's more important. I think, like, you could write avant-garde science fiction, so, or literary science fiction. I mean, and to me, science fiction is a genre and literary is not, but realism is. If you're going to write about the everyday, that's, that's a genre. But literary is something you could tap onto anything. And I, I guess that's what it is, is it? Yeah, I guess I'm a scholar on some level and I, and I kind of, I want to define, but I also do that because I see people hitting each other over with sticks, their heads with sticks with these words, like, this is what literary is and you're not. And, I, and I'm like, you know, define that then. You tell me exactly what that is and why this science fiction novel, which is far better written than this realism novel, is is uh, inferior. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I like that. I like thinking of like literary as a style. I that's how I think of it. I think you're absolutely right. It foregrounds theme and kind of like aboutness, completely aside from plot. So. Um, yeah, I think a, a sci-fi novel that's really interested in themes and ideas, I guess, as opposed to just like, this is a cool, like, well, like I just said idea twice, but like, this is a cool idea I have for a story. Boobs in space. Yeah. Boobs in space versus, yeah, something yeah. quality. Yeah. Because I've, I've read Boobs in space. And I'm like, mm, thanks. No. <laughs> and they're cool. Like I get it. Spaceships, cops, like I get why it has a more easy commercial um, sell. And I'm not even angry about that. Like I totally get it. They're super fun. Anything with the spaceship in it, I'm like, oh, it's a spaceship, you know? And so I do get that, but I kind of also, yeah. So I would just be repeating myself. I feel like we can get in trouble and limit ourselves when we get down to parsing those kinds of things. Although um, when I teach poetry, I tend to call form like sonnet or villanelle or sestina. That's how I teach it and poetry Mm. is a genre um, to me. But like form is more like the shape. And then I also call things like the container, like finding the right container for a thing. Mm. So for with I'm So Fine, which is like a prose poem, we ended up calling it a narrative. My 
editor wanted it to be a memoir and I was like, mm. and so we ended up like compromising by calling it a narrative. But I, for a long time, I didn't know what the container was for what I was doing. I, it was like a top 10 list when I first started. And then I tried to make it lineated poems and that didn't work. But then when I made it like these prose blocks and took out the punctuation, then it sort of captured the voice. And there was a question about voice. It captured the voice of this young woman in the 80s and 90s um, being harassed on the street. <laughs> so um, I think voice and form definitely go together and that intuition plays a huge role in it. But also um, thinking about how you want to present your work after it's been, been written in, in some instances, mm -hmm. certainly more in poetry, I think, than in um, prose. Um, thinking about how, what you want your work to do in the world has something to do with the container you choose for it, um, mm -hmm. whether or not it's going to be more accessible or if you want it to do something interesting with its shape that challenges what the form could be. Um, mm. Yeah, I feel like I'm pontificating. <laughs> I think no, we and we you know it happens. Um, I do it much more often than you. Um, yeah, you know, and I think about this a lot it, with 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 poetry because we always harking back to these old European forms, and then we tack on haiku. But the prose poem is kind of new. The narrative poem is new and experimental, even though people would never put that word on it. Um, and you could write a sci-fi poem. People do, which is always always kills me because I'll read the sci-fi magazines and I'll see that and I'm like, that is very. I don't know what to do with that, you know, but I, I, I like the idea that in the end, you have to find the right form for your concept. You know, if you're not in, and even within the form, you have to make sure to, to, you know, play with several drafts or play with punctuation to see what eventually instinctually you kind of know, oh, this, this is somehow what I'm trying to say. This is it. I've crafted mm -hmm. it and this is right. And it feels you kind of go back to instinct. Yeah, this mm -hmm. is it, you know, and sometimes you'll even fight it. Like my boyfriend's a literary crime novel, novelist. And so he'll be like, chop this. And I'm like, chop your head off. And then I'm like, he's so right, <laughs> you know, because I will go on. So, <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you each give um, the, those closest to you early? Do you, do you hold, I mean, maybe it varies with each project, how much you hold, back before is it is it just a, a matter of when you feel either you need uh, uh some you need some feedback or uh, is there i know there are people you're close to who you trust that you feel i can do this very early or is it is it not how do you judge i guess you judge it each with each with each thing you're working on you know how do you do it uh -huh. Yeah, I mean, I have um, a, 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 only a couple, a couple of very, very close friends who I, I can actually, I feel like at any point when I feel I need it, it could be well into uh, a project or it could be early and embryonic and I'm tr struggling. I, I just feel I'm very, I, I, I feel lucky that there are two people in the world who I know uh, I can go to and and feel comfortable with with that. Um, and um, when I've taught playwriting units, um, 
there's an experiment that I sometimes like to do that I did when I was first starting to write plays is actually to have everybody begin a play uh, right at the beginning of, of the class and bring pages in each week, not of finished material, but, or even a finished draft, but beat by beat by, you know, by beat. And you, you, that's not the way you normally write say, but it is also a way to get inside somebody's head and under try to help understand what it is he or she's like, what are you trying to, uh, what, what, what's going on. And it is, you, you are vulnerable, you know, to do that. And obviously with any, you, you, you don't, with anything, I think even with those closest, you don't do it at a point when you're really unsure, really. Sure. Maybe you do, you know, I'm curious how you like, Khadija, like, do you, how do you, I mean. I have friends that send stuff to sometimes uh, a poem will come and it'll be like almost perfect. And uh -huh. you know, I send out to somebody and um, who I know would um, respond to it. Um, sometimes if I'm not really sure about a thing, I'll mm -hmm. hold on to it for a long time. And then, and then when I feel like it's okay, I'll, I'll send it to friends, but like, mostly friends because I am unpartnered and I have my son is 20. Every now and then I'll show him something, but he has such right. strong opinions oh. that I feel like he would just like kill anything that wasn't really good. <laughs> The thing that he liked the most was my weird play, <laughs> my absurdist verse play. He he loved all the the characters, the object characters. And, and wow! I, did you read aloud? Did you read that aloud, or did he read he it? He read it aloud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. oh, he had a good time doing it. Yeah. <laughs> I also love your absurdist plays. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, and I'm the same. I think I tend not to show people my work until I think it's almost done, oh. and then you know I have like a couple of first readers that I trust, but I, I think if I know there's a problem, I want to solve it myself. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, that's a, that's such a good question. I do show my boyfriend these things and I wouldn't, if I didn't trust his gut and I have shown people the work and I've known that even if they were good writers, um, I, I've often been like, oh, you know, that's not quite right for this. And it's, but with, I have to admit with my boyfriend, he, he's often able to help me solve the last piece of the puzzle. But you know, um, that, that's sort of my problem constantly is that I think it's part of why I've never been able to get into the big process is because I've worked on it myself again and again and again and again, and maybe I found the wrong person to show it to. This is one of the fluffy dogs. Um, and, you know, I thought, oh, maybe they're right, or maybe this is it, or maybe, and then, you know what, you know, it's been, you know, I have an agent, they take it around, it's rejected all the way around. And then I do one more revision and then the next small press takes it. And, and I realize, hmm, you know what? I think I just don't know when to let go of the work. That's my problem. I'm like, I've worked and worked and worked sometimes six months, a year on, on something. And I'm like, I th I'm pretty sure I, I don't know what to do with it from here. So um, that's some of my problem. I don't know if you guys have that. You know, I read my stuff at readings. That's how I test my stuff out. When I read I'm So Fine at Readings, everybody had a great time. It was fun to listen oh. to. Um, the memoir, I read some of the funny parts and um, some of the sadder parts, and, and they both got like a good reception, obviously a different reception, but um, it made me feel like, okay, maybe I can write more of this thing. And um, it just, there's something about like reading aloud in, in a space that um, gives, gives 
energy to the writing for me. I, I like to write in public. That was another, I think, mm-hmm. Peter, you had posed ah. that question. I like to write in coffee shops, which I really, yeah. really miss <laughs> during the pandemic. I like to like sit in a coffee shop for four hours with my espresso or my cortado with some croissants mm-hmm. and just like write it out. Um, mm-hmm. But now I'm, I am at home, so it's a little more difficult. I have the TV on usually. Um, I'll have um, like some kind of travel show because I can't travel either and I miss France and I would like to be in France right now, but I can't. Mm -hmm. So I'll have like a travel show on and I'll look up and there's something beautiful like an ocean or, and I'm hearing information and and that really um, helps. Hmm. You know, I, can I ask this? Yeah, please. Yeah. Um, did you have like a model in mind when you started writing your memoir? Um, like a, I don't know if it would be a poet's memoir or just a memoir that you love, because sometimes I think form is kind of aspirational. Like there are books that I sort of, I had a specific model in mind that I was like, I want to write a book like that. And that totally shaped how I approached the project. When I started writing it, I didn't know anything about nonfiction. It was like my first semester um, in nonfiction. I did a, a MFA in poetry. So I did one semester in nonfiction and I wanted to write about my family stories. And I sat down with my mentor, who's uh, Valerie Boyd, and who's um, a biographer for Azura Neale Hurston. And she was like, you were in the Navy. Have you written about that? Mm. And I was like, oh, absolutely not. You know, most veterans don't want to talk about it because it was shitty. So, which is my, also my experience. So I was like, I don't want to write about that. She's like, I think you should write about that because there weren't any memoirs by black women who served as sonar technicians on board a destroyer. How many memoirs are like that? Not many. So I wrote it and it was really hard and it was really awful. So I didn't have a, um, a manual for it. The writing was good, surprisingly. But, and I'm glad I did it because I remembered so much dialogue because I was fresh out. I was only two years Uh, old. Every single story you've ever told me about that time in your life is even what unbelievably rugged, like so compelling. There's just no way around it. And I mean, it's part of what makes something so good is that you cannot help it. You know, you can't tear your eyes away, you know? Yeah, train wreck. Yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, but you know, even, even as I say that, there's like three things that you told me that I can't stop quite mm-hmm. thinking about, you know. But yeah, you know, I think a lot about, I don't know about you guys, but it was like the last question I think you sent um, new genres. And, you know, I'm trying to, I'm kind of experimenting with, like I said, a bit of film, but also sci fi, because that was my first love, that fantasy. And I, um, I think a lot about public readings and how, yeah, I've read from Buckskin Cocaine, you know, which is about film and that there are semi-experimental, really short pieces, like sort of in people's heads and our monologues. And people, you know, tend to respond really positively and the hit you get off of that. But then I remember thinking like when I was a kid and I, I, I couldn't have imagined a reading. Like you go, and I remember one of my students, I'd said something, I had a visiting writer and I was like, well, you can go to the reading for extra credit. And like, they're going to sit there and read their book. Like they genuinely were like, why would someone do that? <laughs> Why would someone read their book at you, you know? Um, And I was thinking about all these private experiences you have when you're a kid, just joyfully in your own world, 
you know, and those, those writers who, oh, some of them do readings, right, sometimes, but really their experience is completely private as a writer, and then it's out into the world, and there's no, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the same. And so I don't know. That's been my, that's the thing that I'm thinking about, you know, really switching to a genre that's considered more commercial. So that there are these, there are these things. So I don't know. I guess the question, I guess to go to the last one is, so Khadija, you've gone like to kind of the memoir and it sounds like is was, it was a weird transition, a hard transition, but it was still good. And then I know Alyssa, you were from the, you know, poetry to nonfiction. And obviously, you know, I think it was a good one, even if sometimes challenging. And for you, Peter, it's been more like playwright to film to so is there any genre, I guess that's, that is a good question, that last one, like, that people want to do that they haven't published in, that they're kind of compelled by still, like, oh, maybe I'll try this? Are we going to divulge our secrets? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I wish that I could write fiction, but it's just, I like, my brain doesn't work that way. I don't have no. that. Like, writing, sorry, reading novels, that's, like, that's my favorite thing to read, 100%. Yeah. Like, if I could... You know, when people are like, oh, my, if I could have any other job, I'd want that. Like, I feel like <laughs> if I could be any other kind of writer, I'd want to be a novelist, but I'm just not. Um, but I do want to try, like, instead of writing collections, like books that are made up of many small parts, I would love to try to write something that's just a long thing. Like, um, and I, it's not, I, don't, I wouldn't even think of it as like, oh, I want to write a nonfiction book because that always just seems so subject oriented. Like I would want to think of it more as like, I want to write like a book length essay, I think. Um, so yeah, that's something I'm toying with, but I, I haven't started it. So don't get too excited. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, I would, I tried for a long time to make the memoir fiction. Uh-huh. I tried so hard for like 10 years. Um, <laughs> it didn't work. So I had to say, fuck it. And just- <laughs> own all the things that I didn't want to own. And that's the hard part about memoir is that you're, you're exposing not only um, what other people do, but also the stupid stuff you do, especially in your 20s. <laughs> so that was, that, I think that was really hard. And um, I, I don't know that I want to do that again, but um, I would love to write a children's book. I would love to try to write, I would love to try to imagine something in fiction. I have some shorts that have never shown to anyone. So maybe someday when I'm not doing too many things and I can just focus on that. Because I feel like fiction is more like visual art where you have to dedicate your time, all of your energy to that making that thing. And um, poetry is more like you can get just get it in where you fit it in. I think you'd be really good at um at a children's books like at fiction because um, I found when I was at least trying anyway that I kind of harkened back to my poetry skills because it was very, it was somewhat, the form was like a very simple poem and it was also extremely visual. And so I actually was like, oh, I feel like I'm kind of exercising these very old muscles. And I think you could do that really well. One of these days. (laughs) Uh Uh Peter, how about you? I, you know, I read a lot of fiction and I don't, uh, I, I, I've never studied it and I've never really tried to figure out how it works and what, what, how it does to me, what it does, what a, what a book is doing to me. I, I know when I'm 
what it, mm -hmm. when I'm being done to, but I don't know how. And I, I think it probably would be great if I, if I did. I'm very uh, ignorant of that, even though I love to read and I'm always reading things and numbers of things. And I'm, you know, so, but I don't have the, I don't really think I have the desire to write fiction. I'm amazed by it because it feels like it's just, it, 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 I don't, I, it, it feels, it feels like it, it isn't, it, it can't be arbitrary at all in the same way that every word of a play or every image in a play, everything is, should be there for a reason. But yet I understand that it feel, should feel effortless and playful, which I somehow have to get back to in plays. And I don't know how I would do that in fiction. And, you know, I know, as I say, when it's happening to me as a reader, but I, I wish that I, that I could, um, I, I don't know. That was the thing I had to do for the memoir. Like I couldn't, yeah. having fun, so I couldn't write it. Yeah. And I decided <laughs> to write about women at sea. So when I found like some stuff about women pirates, I was like, oh yeah, I could have some fun with this. <laughs> and like talk about something else besides me. So that was like my way yeah. in. So, so trying to find a way into something unfamiliar by having fun, I think is an important yeah. try. Yeah. Yeah. So Erica, you're, you're obviously the gold standard. You're the novelist. We all want to be you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't recommend it because I think that's part of why I'm always trying to write another form. I'm like, well, I'm a failure at the thing I do. So maybe I should try something else. <laughs> you know, but yeah. And I, and I think, um, you know, I, I, I do, I keep thinking like, cause I've halfway, I'm halfway through a science fiction album. What did I do? But stopped to write a literary novel, um, again. And I just feel like it's this carrot and the stick where I just want random house to give me five grand for my stupid mm -hmm. fucking literary novel. So I can be like, I did it. And then I'm just going to write about spaceships. Forever. <laughs> I was going to ask actually if you all feel either for monetary commercial reasons or just because of kind of the way people talk about your work, your readers, do you feel pushed in one direction or another? Like, do you feel like people are always kind of subtly or not so subtly encouraging, like, I like when you write that, you should do that more. Like, and does that go against what you actually want to do? <laughs> I feel like as a, I, I can say this really short and this, and it feels to me like, uh, you know, and it's been nice to not have to talk about this in a panel, but um, as a Native American writer, a lot of times, right, people have extremely distinct ideas about what you need to be. And, and it really, in some ways, it depends on what they know. But a lot of times it's just, you know, it's got to be nature. Um, if they know anything, it's the res. And now Tommy Orange, even though like I was writing about you know, urban Indians, like suddenly he's like been swept and he's like, oh, you know, I had a lady at 10 house tell me like, no, Erica, he writes about urban Indians. And I'm like, yeah, I've been writing as an urban Indian for 10 fucking years, but I'm not, I guess what I want, what I feel like I would like for people to stop expecting or wanting is all that stuff, you know, the content that they think is Native American and just like, you know, maybe just say, hmm, was that a good story or not? Um, and not worried about worry so much about whether they're threatened or concerned or whether I fit their idea. But the other part of it is 
I really love to see this current like plethora of Native American fiction writers that I do everything I can as an obscure writer of nowhere land to push because I love them. They're good people and they're good writers, but also because it makes it less lonely for me and it makes it less of this explain Indians to me. I don't understand why people need that again and again. Like they can't, they don't want the answer. They don't like it, but they just still want to hear like explain Indians to me. And I'm like, I'm just one fucking guy. I, my dad was a white dude. I'm urban. I'm from three tribes. Okay. Like, even if you got like my friend who's like just Navajo, even she would be like, don't make me do that. You know? So I guess that's the only thing I don't want to be pushed to do. Otherwise I'm happy to experiment, you know? Yeah. I feel similarly. I'm super not interested in everything I write to be about black death and suffering. I was, if I can't write about the fullness of, and complexity of our lives, then I'm not going to do it. So um, I think that our humanness collectively demands that we innovate and try new things and, and enjoy our lives. And I don't want to be put into anybody's box. Now, with that said, I will write about it, but I'm writing about it on my own terms. And um I think that's that's maybe what I would like to say in answer to that question. Um, somebody has a question in here about a scene from the memoir I wish wasn't included. Was it too vulnerable? I didn't. If it was too vulnerable, I didn't put it in there. Um, something really helpful um, that I got from Roxanne Gay when I was interviewing her a few years ago at um, Tattered Cover was that she didn't put anything in her memoir that she didn't want coming back to her on Twitter. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I wrote everything out, but if I didn't feel like I don't wanted it to come back to me on Twitter, that it came out of the book. Yeah. Gonna have to get off of Twitter. Dang. Exactly. But yeah. can you ever get off of Twitter? Can you? I don't know. I, Peter, I feel like I'm on Twitter, you know. I'm not on anything, I tell you. Oh, you can. Uh, okay, I'm, 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 I'm writing this down. Not, so. <laughs> it's seven o'clock, y'all. Okay. Guys, it is seven. And I have to say, there's like an essay's worth of great questions in the Q&A, and a lot of them got integrated in. Um, it is in a commentary on your outstanding question um, if, if it didn't get discussed. But I think everything was discussed. You guys taught me a lot tonight, and I really appreciate all four of you sharing your wisdom. Um, and everybody check out their work. It's all in the chat. Um, I know that Erica and Khadija are teaching coming up soon, and um, we'll see if Peter and Elisa will get on that as well. Um, thank you all for being part of LitFest 2020. This has been amazing. I wish we were all under the tent, but since we're not, thank you for being here on the Zoom. Thank you for, for sharing everything you did tonight, and um, we'll see you all at the next thing. Thank it was you. a pleasure. Thank you, Andrea. Thanks, thank everyone. You. A great pleasure. Thank you. Good night. Bye. 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 Bye.